What's happening, everybody? It's your boy, Godi. And it's your boy, Smash, coming at you. Want to welcome you guys to another episode of Talking Brothers Podcast. Smash. Sir. How's your week been, bro? Tell me, tell, give me some good news, Smash. We've been having so much bad news lately, bro. <laughs> give me some good news from the home front, man. Tell me, tell me that you... You and a wife created something that was inspiring, that the neighborhood just love you, and give me some good. I mean, well, that, that's an everyday experience. The neighborhood just loves me, you know. But no, nah, I'm just kidding, <laughs> man. Uh, um, uh, the wife, man, today she she passed her. She was taking a certification for her human resource degree to just kind of um, further her master's, and she uh, passed that. So she awesome. she been studying for that for a couple weeks. So I'm I'm proud of her. She was. She was happy after she got through, and so there you go. That's that's some good news right there. That's, she passed us. Yeah, that's definitely some good news. Man. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, thank you, bro. I mean, we've we've been having weeks and weeks and weeks of of animosity amongst others <laughs> and ourselves to the point where I'm like, I don't know, you know, but but COVID would be the would be the the tipping point for anger, and and but I, I didn't think. We, we would get this, you know, what you would call, I guess you'd call a dinner and a show <laughs> with, <laughs> with this, with the Michael Floyd and, and all this stuff that's going on, man. And it's, it's, I'm good for that. Tell her, tell her good job, man. Tell her good job. Yeah, now, good. all she got to do now is go wait for y'all to move to go find a gig, right? Nah, she's looking for one now. And, and if she find one, I'm just going to hit the button and uh, go ahead and retire, man. If she, if she get a job and it's paying what, what it is, I'm gonna go ahead and go in there and press up my uniforms and say, "Hey, I, I appreciate you. I don't need them no more. Give them to whoever needs, because <laughs> I'm gone." <laughs> you gonna you gonna give them away? Yeah, I'm gonna give them away. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, they they did all right for me. Maybe maybe you know you can continue the legacy. I don't know, but now nah, I'm I'm gonna get up out if if she get the job. But honestly, man, like we uh-huh. we we just letting. And and I'm not saying this because <laughs> our guess is on, but really we're just letting God direct us in the path we want to go. When she if she get this job, then we'll go, and then I'll start looking from there. But uh, if not, then we're gonna continue to go the route I'm going until uh, something else open up for us. So and right now it's, it's good life because ain't none of us worried. It, you know, if she get a job, she get a job. If she don't, I still got one, so we good. Y'all, y'all don't wear y'all don't wear shorts, do you? Nah, not UPS. Nah, we don't, okay, we don't. that uniform, them uniforms gonna be too short for somebody, man. You know, you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> you got jokes to do. I'm not. They not gonna fit nobody, man. Just go ahead and retire those, bro. Just give them the give them the stripes and the. <laughs> I might. But, but look here, man. There's a there's a. Good gentleman, man, I met on uh, Instagram. Well, and uh, he's a pastor. His name is Ron Walker. He's an author and uh, an inspiring. I, I guess we, we, Ron. I guess can we say aspiring uh, politician? I guess because we're not giving up, are we, Ron? Absolutely not. You can say it if you want to, but I don't think I'll ever consider myself to be a politician. I'm a community okay. advocate. There you go. Um, I'm here for the people. I don't really want to get into titles because I think that's where a lot of people start going astray and you actually become what they say you are. Mm. I'm a man of the people. 
I serve God first and foremost, and then I just want to do what I can do to help make this world a little bit better place to live in. Right. And he, you've written three books. Um, I've written a lot more than three. I, really? I was about to say, was about to say <laughs> like, just, he wrote several. <laughs> I, I kept looking. I was like, how many books has he written? I, I, think, I, I think I stopped scrolling, I think, because I, I looked at <laughs> You're too close to give up now. Um, an unconventional miracle. Yes, and I almost gave up. Yes. It's so many. Honestly, I've forgotten a lot of them. Really? Yes. I know I've written at least 12. Um, I've oh, yeah, written wow. books. So my name is not on every book that I've penned. Um, I've written in different names over the years. Okay. So like I said, okay. I have multiple platforms and do everything I can to get the word out. But yes, those are among the titles. Okay. There's yeah, a few more and some motivational CDs and all kinds of good stuff. So right. What inspired you to write your books? Cause I, and I ask that because like I've been saying, oh, actually I haven't been saying, I've been writing a book for the past mm-hmm. 20 years and, mm-hmm. it, and that's all I've been doing. So I always curious, like what made you just jump out there and write a book? Cause I'm trying to get there myself. I think that first one always takes the longest. Um, it took me years. My first book was actually um, a fictional work okay. called The Lost Works of a Lost Soul, which was like poetry, short stories, all kind of things that I had been writing since I was like 10 or 11 years old. After that, it took me another two or three years to write my first nonfiction book, which was On Track to the Kingdom, which was more um, ministry related. But that was because I got licensed and I was in a big church with about 30 something other ministers. I never got a chance to preach or do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I started writing. It. <laughs> then after that, I mean, I almost gave up. I wrote that in a week. So it's wow. like it's taking me different amounts of times for different things. Yeah. But it's once you get that system in place and once you get that process perfected, you can really sit down and hammer something out in no time. But you have to get the first one done. Okay, and I want to give you a shout out to your church, the the Legacy Church International. Um, want to definitely give them their love as well. I know that you know you're gonna hope that they that they that they listen and enjoy this conversation that we have. And and before we get started, definitely well, we already started, but I definitely want to thank you for you know taking a moment to moment moment of your time out to just come on and and uh, give us your opinion from um, that spiritual aspect. Um, of, of what we're going through, currently going through now. I mean, when first we go, we get with the with the COVID thing. Um, mm-hmm. How has how has your family? And this is always ask this question. Every guest we have since now, how has your family been coping with with being quarantined? Okay, so let's put it like this: I've been in ministry for over fifteen years. Uh oh, test this faith. <laughs> I've pastored churches. I've been an associate pastor at churches. So Uh I was working with my father under um, Fresh Bread Christian Ministries. And we decide, hey, it's time. God is moving us in a different direction. We have to launch out because we're doing things a little different. We're going to launch Legacy Church International. Right. We launched Legacy in about in October of 2019. Got off to this Great start, great location. All these things are going well. Um, and of course, 2020 comes in and we have big plans. And things are going to grow and we're going to pack this out and we're going to do this event and that event. And then all of a sudden the whole world shut down. 
So now we get pushed. I'm already a homebody. I mean, I'll tell people in a heartbeat, I don't go out unless I have to. I go to Walmart. I go to the post office. And that's about the only places I go. Right. So to me, quarantine has been great because it gives me an excuse to not have to go places I didn't want to go. <laughs> but as far as the church is concerned, it's odd. It's very weird not being able to gather with people, not being able to celebrate and worship God together. I told my wife the other day, I'm really odd as this sounds. I'm not a church person. I just huh? said I'm apologize. I know, right? <laughs> That is odd. <laughs> Expound um, on that, brother. Expound <laughs> on that for me, brother. We talked about this before the show kind of got started, how some people get forced to go to church, mm. and that ends up pushing you away. I never liked going to church, ever, ever. The only reason, I used to sit in the pews, and I told my friend when we were young, I said, if I'm not up there preaching or out here doing something, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and I guess God heard me, and he said, well, I got something for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I accepted my call into ministry, but honestly, I've never been really a churchgoer. But this whole time has made me miss the experience of just being able to go with fellow believers and just celebrate. And like you said, it's been so much negativity in the world. Sometimes church is that outlet where you can go and experience some level of positivity. Even if, if, if everything's not going great in your life for that hour or two, you got to try to put it to the side and say, thank you, God, that I'm at least still alive. Yep. I'm still here, still breathing, blood still flowing through my veins. I have something to be excited about. So quarantine has been good for me on a personal note, but politically and spiritually, woo, it, it's been a test. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a test, right? Yes. <laughs> it's been a test. It's funny, man, because you, you say that you weren't a church goer, man. It's like you know, my grandmother would always say, you know, you making these plans, but God's steady laughing, you know, because right. you don't know your plans. <laughs> you know, you got to walk through it and see see where it's going to take you. So with with and I'm, I'm listening to Off Wax, we were talking and you and Smash have you both are from Georgia and um, I've never witnessed racism like you've got witnessed racism. I've never. Um and I don't know if it's because it's Georgia or, I mean, we both grew up in the South, but I hadn't seen it to that extreme. Um, has has these times, or have these times been a shock to you or you, it was more of a, like, just par for the course, I should say? For me, I mean, like we were saying earlier, it's kind of the norm. When I was buying my first house, um, we moved to a predominantly white area. Um, and the house across the street from us had a big Confederate flag up in the window. Wow. My dad said, do not move to this neighborhood. I said, well, hey, this is a four-bedroom home. I'm just getting married. You know, <laughs> this is a nice house. It's at a price I can afford. Big backyard. I, I literally had a white picket fence. Like, I had this American dream. And right across the street from me is a big Confederate flag. I guess was supposed to serve as a warning. Funny story, I'll cut to one day after having my daughter, you know, kids will be kids. She decides to leave the house to go play. Where's the one house she decides to go to? That one. But anyway, (laughs) it becomes the norm. You're used to riding around, seeing certain things. Like I said, I was born in Thomaston, Georgia. Half of the 
city went to one school, half of the city went to the other school. It just so happened that it was still segregated. There were white schools and black schools. It wasn't said, but we all knew it. And it was R.E. Lee. That's where you went. Um, I think they just recently changed to Upson Lee, but it's still, it was R.E. Lee, and then there was Upson, Upson High School and R.E. Lee High School. Hmm. But I'm like, this is just every day. We walk around with racist people all around us. All (laughs) this Trump administration, all this stuff has done is simply expose people that have been hiding in plain sight. They have been the same way forever, but now they feel like it's okay to be more out with it because he is yeah right they are very it's not a surprise to me <laughs> right and, and that and that's what you know it's, it's usually it takes that one person to to give them that courage mm-hmm. to be outspoken like they are and, and that's one thing that that i haven't witnessed in in, in my years i'm not gonna tell my age but in my <laughs> years on you know that there so many are outspoken on their faith and their belief mm-hmm. and uh, how we should be treated as people, and how and how they think the country should be ran. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just baffling to me, man, that some some Caucasians are just clueless to to our struggle, and and that's it's amazing, man. That that when you talk to them, they they're asking you the question of now since everything is going crazy and up and arms, they're asking that question. Well, what can I do? Well, hell, where you were 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> when we should have been asking this question a long time ago, you know, so it's, it's kind of it's kind of amazing to me. I think um, mm-hmm. I think this uh, murder of George Floyd, like I like I told some people, for me it kind of I felt like I've been in a trance almost, and that that kind of woke me up. And I think it did like for everybody. I think kind of woke them up. And like you're saying, white folks are asking, what can they do? And I. Like I said, I've been talking about this since it's, since it happened, and today I had to get up in front of a lot of white leaders that want to go address their uh, you know their units and everything, saying you know like let's talk about this. And I said, I said, look, I, I just want y'all to think about one thing. You you're gonna go try to address and have these talks with other black people cross you know cross a uh, race with other white people and stuff. You you might want to take. A black person or two with you to de-escalate <laughs> because they're not going to open up to you. I said, let me let me put it to you something that you're gonna um, that's simple for you. If I take if you take a sexual sexual assault victim and put them in front of the person that sexually assaulted them, do you think they're gonna open up like that? No. But if you put them in a group with other sexual assault victims, they all have something in common. They're gonna speak and talk about it. You know what I'm saying? So I said, you got to approach this delicately. I said, it's a, it's a, it's a tough conversation for y'all to have because y'all been, been a quiet, you know, quiet and oblivious to it for a while. And then uh, another thing I had to tell them too, like, I, I, I'm like, don't, don't be uh, ashamed of your privilege, but now just start using that privilege to help us out. You know what I mean? So right. it's, it's, it's been ongoing. Cause like everybody been like, what can we do? I said, look, man, if, if we knew what you could do right now to help us, far as fix the whole problem we would we would ask you this like years ago <laughs> i said but right now just work with us and and we'll we'll help you out <laughs> we need allies huh definitely definitely that's very true we i think a lot of people have questions right now but nobody really has the answer nope and we're all really searching i told somebody the other day 
when they were speaking against the protesters and all this stuff, I said, everybody has their part to play. Right now, we don't know what's going to get it through. So we all just have to play our part and do whatever we can to find a solution to these problems. Right. I mean, one, one thing for sure, you know, you want to treat others like you want to be treated. Let's get that straight first. And if, if we start with that baseline, then, you know, I think it, it we'll, we'll get some ground. I, I just, for us, man, just like you, you have aspirations of, of, of being a, a leader in the political arena to mm-hmm. make change, you know? And I think that's, you know, I, that's one area where it baffles me and you can educate me on this a little bit. It baffles me that, why don't we have our own party? Why don't we have our own political party? Why do we have to pigeonhole ourselves, either Republican, Democrat, Independent, or Green Party, or whatever the case may be? Why do we have to pigeonhole ourselves in one of those boxes, and why can't we create our own box? What's, what is the, the, the drawback from us creating our own box? Simple answer is money, but um, <laughs> it always leads back to money. Always. But I've been telling people, we have a system... And I was saying this the other day when I did a post on Instagram about um, the police department and how the police were founded and how we've come along. When you have a system that's already based on something that was broken or no longer effective, I believe one of the best ways of attacking it is just redo it. Mm-hmm. That political system that we have right now, that party system is broken. Oh yeah. Honestly, I didn't want to run as a Democrat. But if you don't check one of those boxes, one of my friends is an advisor for um, uh, politicians in South Fulton. And he told me, you need to run Democrat. I'm going to be honest with you. I've actually generally sided with the Republican Party. And a lot of people get upset when I say things like that. But if you check the Republican platform, me as an entrepreneur, as a business person, oh, yeah. okay. it works better for me as a businessman. Right, right. For me as a black man, maybe not so much. <laughs> so I had to check a certain box because once you start ascending in politics, it comes down to the money. Independents don't get money. Green parties and all these other parties don't get money. You don't get funding. You do not get the big dollars that are necessary to win. That's why you don't have a lot of candidates that um, are outside the Republican or Democratic Party that win that often. Yeah. So we really do have a bipartisan system that doesn't work, but that's what we continue with. And we can speak on capitalism. We can speak on so many other things that have been in place but are defective. They're no longer as relevant. They're broken in ways. But because it's been that way for so long, we just continue doing it. But until... Things get shaken up like they have gotten shaken up right now. We're not going to seek new solutions. Right. Yeah. What What was some what, what are some of your your ideas and goals for for running? What were some of the things that you you had planned um, had you had you been, been able to win? Well, now you made the announcement. So sadly, yeah, I didn't win yesterday. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I could break the story. Yeah, awesome. It's still kind nah, of freaking my heart a little bit. So I, I can see it on your face, man. It's like I'm really here, <laughs> but I'm not here. <laughs> so I'm still recovering, but it's all good. Um, I'm still going to fight for the same stuff. Right. Educational reform. One of the main ways that we compete as people is through our intellect, through our educational backgrounds when you don't have certain degrees like you just said your wife just got her master's i believe you said yes sir 
I'm working on mine as well right now. So I'm actually doing a class with uh, Dr. Uh, Rashad Ritchie, who's a political correspondent for V103, one of our radio stations here in Atlanta. And um, he works with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We're doing multicultural management, talking about having, you know, more diversity at different levels of management. Right. I found that that kind of thing is necessary. Yeah. But a lot of times they look at your education. If you don't have a master's, a doctorate, those things, if sadly nowadays, if you only have a bachelor's, it's just not going to give you a fighting chance. So one of the main things I was really trying to push for was um, more financial aid for postgraduate degrees. Like we have the HOPE scholarship here that helps people get bachelor's degrees. Yep. I would love to see HOPE extended to master's, extended mm-hmm. to doctor, and allow some people to actually get further ahead. Because now we're saying a bachelor's is not enough. Well, you got to equip people to be able to get in position where they can fight. Right now we have it where if you're the elite or sadly if you like me, you just run into a lot of debt <laughs> trying to get these higher degrees, I don't think it's fair. Right. So right. now you have a lot of people trying to pay off what they're doing to try to get ahead in life. So that was a big part of it. Just small business reform, making sure we're supporting the small businessmen and not just the business giants out there. Um, I'm just looking for more economic equity. Okay. A lot of people say that, you know, we need to be equal. We need to be fair. Equity and equality are not necessarily the same thing. Okay. So Explain, we can add to the list. So we have some people that say we have to treat everybody equal. And I even heard you say we got to treat people like we want to be treated. Well, the question is, what if I felt like I've already been treating them like I wanted to be treated? You have a lot of cultures that feel like they're already treating certain cultures the way they should be treated i.e. white people feel like they're already treating black people well enough. But situations like George Floyd show that they haven't been. Equity is saying you have to help a people to recover from what happened before you can put them on the same level that you're already on. Because we've gone through so much division, because we've gone through slavery and all these systematic racism and all these problems before, It's difficult to just say, I'm going to treat you like I treat other white people, and you should be able to get the same results. That would be equality. Equity is saying, first, let me heal and repair. Then we can talk about getting on the same level. And that's where a lot of us are as black people right now. We're still so broken, we can't get past our past (coughs) in order to even look towards a brighter future. So one of the main things we have to do first is learn how to get healed. We have to learn that therapy and counseling is okay. You yeah. have white people in other cultures. They already know that. We don't. I, I've, I've been saying that same thing. I said one of the worst things we were taught as blacks coming up is to, like, what happens in this house stays in this house. That was Absolutely. one of the worst things because we never were able to talk about it. And, and a lot of us have repressed so much that we didn't mm-hmm. even know we were taking that into our adulthood. And it's affected us in ways we didn't even know. So I agree with you on that, on that therapy. I do, I do have a question for you um, because I was, I know that yesterday was the voting day and stuff like that because my mom, she went out and vote, but me and her ran into, I'm, I'm telling the story that's going to run into a question, but me and her ran into the same thing because um, she tried to do the absentee ballot and me being in the military, I, I always do the absentee ba- ballot. But since the, I, I would just go ahead and say since, since the election where Trump was running to get into the uh, White House, my ballots weren't coming to me. 
Like I, I wasn't getting my ballots or I would get it so late after the vote that I don't know if my vote was going to count anyway. And so mm-hmm. I was wondering, do you feel, because I heard a lot of my, my Georgia friends on, um, on social media talking last night and they were saying that the social, uh, the voter suppression was real heavy this year. Absolutely. Um, that's why I know I've seen so many posts. I even started getting a lot of emails telling people and urging people to report what's been going on because voter suppression is very real. I mean, we can see, we were talking about that earlier where we talk about the fact that we want change, but then when it comes down to voting, we don't see it. Right. We're not seeing people getting out and voting. We're not seeing the absentee ballot, but perhaps that's because some of them are being suppressed. Like you said, I know I live in a house where I got my ballot probably a month before my wife did, but we both sent them in at the same time. (laughs) We sent our request in the same day. I mailed them. And she didn't get hers until almost a whole month after I got mine. Why didn't they come at the same time? We have the same last name. We have the same address. We sent them in at the same time. Some things just don't make sense. These are issues we've been running into as a country forever, but we're just now starting to find out about it. Yeah, because somebody had sent the um, sent the little shot of a meme, and I was reading it because I was like, man, and and I was like, man, that's right on point for when we were going. I knew we were going to talk to you, but it was showing that in in um, Clayton Clayton County that there were three thousand nine hundred and fifty registered voters but only 378 ballots were cast. Mm. And I'm like, wow. So it ended up being the voter turnout for just that county was 9.5, And I was like, wow, like that's, wow. that's low. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but the funny thing is if you would have drove around on election day, you would have seen lines back all the way down the street. People were out there. I think we had really a greater turnout with this primary than we've had in the past. Okay. It was a tremendous turnout, but sadly, a lot of people that look like us, and it was raining that day, so you have to take that in consideration. Okay. Black people don't go out in the rain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sadly, when you, when you have people that look like us, a lot of times we don't make our voice heard. Um, we complain. That's another one of my books, Um, Stop Complaining and Start Changing. We have a lot of people that will complain, but we don't do what's necessary to make change. Right. And I found that you either have walkers or you have talkers. You have people that are going to complain about problems, and then you have people that are actually going to do something about problems. For some reason in our psyche, it will actually make us feel as if when we talk about things, we're doing something about them. Right. Right. So that's why I'll tell people when I do coaching, Don't post all your plans. Don't talk about everything you're going to do because that communicates something to your mind that you've actually done something when, in fact, you've done nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Right. (laughs) So we're out here. We're talking about um, voting. We're talking about getting Trump out. We're talking about all the things we need to do. But when it comes down to it, do we actually do something about it? And 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 that's the big thing. And and how I met Ron was I, I, I posted a post on on Instagram showing the politicians in Congress kneeling with kentacloths on. And that I mean, you I haven't got so mad. It's been a long oh. time since I've got mad and I got pissed off. It, it's, it's been a long time, man. 
And that one, that one just, I, I can't even express my anger towards that. You know, first of all, you're putting a Kenta cloth on. If you ask any one of what a Kenta cloth is, what does it, what does it symbolize? They probably couldn't tell you anyway, right? <laughs> and then you're taking a knee. I don't need you to take a knee. I don't need your symbolism. I, I need you to to take your butt <coughs> on that heel and sit down and and let's get some reform going. Give me something that I can tangibly take back and that you can tangibly take back and say, this is what we're going to do. You spoke on on the police reform. In order to to make it better, we have to tear it down and build it back up. Well, we know we're not going to get that. That's that's just not going to happen. But that I hadn't been so mad in a long time, man. That one, that one, that just had me like, ah, I can't believe that you would you would take that they would take would would think our intelligence was that to the point where we could say, okay, they're doing something for us. By doing this, you know, and it was more it was more of a slap in the face than it was actually that you're you're doing something for me. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was time to vote. They had to make some <laughs> gesture to say, hey, we're here for you. Right. Good it's point. Like, Good point. Don't kneel. Stand up and do your job. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> See, you said way better than I did. <laughs> don't kneel. Stand up and do your job. There you go. <laughs> that's that's the one. And, and Smash and I was talking, I think it was yesterday, the day before yesterday. And um, we were debating on whether the guy that killed uh, George Floyd would he would he get would he get off? And I was like, maybe 2019, he probably would. 2021, he probably would. But 2020 is an election year, yeah. so I don't I don't think he's gonna get off. I think he's gonna be the sacrificial lamb, and he's gonna be the, the another symbol of oh look, we did something, yep. you know. But that's not what we're asking for you to do. We're asking for you to do that, but that's not going to make us happy, you know? We've reached a point in society where I think we've gotten smart enough to see through the symbolism. Right. We actually want change. Right. We see what you're doing. You've been doing the same thing for decades, centuries, making these grand gestures and then continuing on with the same thing once the people go back home and once the protests calm down. Once the anger subsides a little bit, it's just back to business as usual. But we have to make sure that we stay focused to say, okay, we made an arrest. Let's make a conviction now. And now we made a conviction of that officer. Let's go after the other officers that are messing up. Let's make sure that this system gets some type of reform. Mm -hmm. And I I have plenty plenty of law enforcement in my family. My my father's retired Georgia State Patrol. Okay. My uncle was one of the GSP officers that was standing there in front of the Capitol when the protesters were there. I mean, he's a very high figure. In fact, he's one of only two um, black men in this state that's risen to the ranks that he's at right now. And that's my uncle. That's my family. But I see the issues that we have in this system. And it's like, thank you for your symbolism. Thank you for trying to say that you're with us, but actually be with us. Right. right. Let's actually make some changes this time. But I, I don't, Ryan, I don't think, I think that they've been doing, they've been doing what they've been doing for so long. And they will do, like we talked about the statues, you know, oh, we cried and screamed and hollered about these statues. Okay, we're going to take them down. Now shut up. And then we, we get appeased by that. Right. And, but it's just putting a band aid on, on a, a juggling vein cut, right? It's not going to stop the bleeding. 
it's just gonna pause it for a second, but it's gonna it's gonna open up and it's gonna start bleeding again. And I think that's what they think when they think of us. I think that's what they think. Let's just do something to keep them quiet. Let's keep this this to 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 cease the noise. And I think at this point we're so frustrated that, like you said, we can see through this symbolism that you're doing that now they don't even they don't even have a clue of where to start. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, they even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny to me? I, I was just joking around with one of my buddies, but I was telling them this right here is like the the outrage they see right now. This is their fear of the angry black man and black woman. <laughs> and so now they're trying to do stuff like, what do you need? Um, Are you okay? And trying to calm us down. So like y'all saying, it can go back to normal because they were like, oh, this is where we didn't want them to get. You know, <laughs> so I just laugh at that because it's like everybody's been like, Oh, you know, like I'm outraged, and, and I've just been telling people honestly. I'm like, <clears throat> look, a lot of us. I'm not saying we can't change, but I, I'm like, you need to start with your with your kids. That's where I think you you need to start with because they they keep getting it ingrained. And um, <clears throat> white guy told me today, man, that um, he's like he ha- he's not talking to his mom and dad because they can't see eye to eye. And I was, and I, I said that comment to him about like we need to start with the kids because they're gonna make the change for the world as well. And he said something to me that I didn't even think about. He's like, he's like, you're right, but he's like, but when they go around their granddad, which is my dad, he's still saying that stupid stuff. And I was like, wow, you're right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right. <clears throat> so it's even though even though you can start at home with your kids, that older generation and even some in our generation, you know, is. They're they're the poison, and and I'm kind of jumping around here, but on that a police reform, man, it has to be police reform because that's a culture. I looked at that, and Absolutely. you everybody saw, <clears throat> even even a blind man saw that 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 knee on the on the neck wasn't good, right? Standard though. But those yeah, guys, for those guys not to intervene, because I was like, you could have like we've all been in certain situations that we probably shouldn't have been in in our life, but. That was just a situation where you could have just tapped him. Hey, bro, he good. We and they could have got up and they could have still just been. They could have been ka 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 laughing about it or whatever. But he would have been alive because all, right. all it took but was just. Hey, man, get up. <clears throat> that's not okay. When you're blue, you stand with blue. It's not okay to defy your fellow officer. You become a pariah in the um, office. Right. That's it. You, it's hard. That's what people are saying. You know, the good cops need to stand up. The good cops stand up and they're going to be kicked out. And they already know that. That's why we're going to have to change the way that training is done. Right now, there's a lot of standards and practices in play that just need to be gone. Right. They need to be changed. But you don't have enough people that are willing to stand up and say, hey, you're not doing this right or, hey, Maybe we shouldn't do that because they're afraid for their livelihood. Yep. And and I said that too. Like, I couldn't be a cop because I ain't going to lie. Like, <clears throat> I'm going to have an itchy uh, trigger finger because I'm going to be scared, man. I, I'm not I'm not going to lie. They're scared. Bro. I'm going to be scared. Like, you they're, go out. So they are scared. I have, res- I have respect for them because their life is online. I, I, I get it. But I would be scared. So, like you say, I think the training needs to happen. I just... I just haven't heard like a good plan of because everybody's talked about police reform, but I haven't heard a good plan of how the police reform should be. Well, I, I was listening to again. I'm, I'm, I work from home, listeners, so a lot of time I have the TV going, 
and I'm using this white noise, background noise while I'm working, and I, I picked the bits and pieces up. And there were some cops, and I, I want to say they were from New Orleans, from not New Orleans, from New York, um, black cops, mm-hmm. and uh, they were talking about how the the police chief they went on and recorded the police chief, recorded the, the uh, high officials, and they talked about how they were telling them that you have to make this quota, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to make these quotas. And with these quotas, they got the guys on tape telling them, oh, you can go in these black neighborhoods. That's like that's, that's like shooting fish in a barrel, Absolutely. right? And so that mentality, when you have that mentality, when you think of us as a quota, we all know when, when, when you know, when you're driving down the street, and we're already guilty driving while black, but when we drive down the street at the end of the month, we know slow your butt down at the end of the month because you know there's a quote on tickets. But now that you think about it, okay, you can kind of see there's a financial thing that ha- that happens with those tickets to to bolster the the, the court systems and pay f- and pay for things within your within your town and your city. So I get it. I get why you push the ticket thing. But now when you're telling me that there's a quote on my head for arrests, yeah. there's a quote on my head. But other than just tickets, that's the system is totally <laughs> broken. And the system, that train of thought, don't put me on a number system, right? If I'm breaking a crime, damn it, excuse my friends, Pastor, but arrest me. <laughs> but at the end of the day, don't don't use me as a number. Just because you see I'm black, you tell me you can go into a black neighborhood and it's like fishing, shooting fish in a the barrel. They are always doing something wrong. Come on, man. Hmm. You know, it's like if you, I, I guarantee you. If I look at if I look at one of you guys and I just constantly look at and delve into your personals and delve into your finances and delve into the different things that you're doing, I can find something I don't like. Absolutely. You know, and I think with with our with, with us that they're in our neighborhood so much, that you're policing our neighborhood so much, that you're profiling so much, you can't help but to find something. Yeah. You know? And and that's 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 scary. And then they have these tapes. And they, and they have these black officers, and I, I really, I'm really fearful for them of what's going to happen to them, for them being the whistleblower. Because you know the whistleblower always gets the worst. Absolutely. So you have these kind of, you have family members that are in the police force. Are you guys? Do they agree to disagree, or do are they just standoffish, or they're just like neutral on the whole situation? I always tell people I grew up on both sides of the tracks. Um. I don't jump too much into anybody's history because that's not on me to tell. But I have <laughs> one father that was a police officer. Right. Um, he's been a police officer since as long as I can remember. And then I have another father. Like I said, I don't talk because that <laughs> I am. But um, yeah, <laughs> other side of the track. So I came up in both ways. Right. Um, question was asked earlier, what influenced you to write? I didn't want to go in a certain direction. If you listen to um, Dollar in a Dream, Succeed or Die Trying, that's, um, I think it's a book and a motivational speaking CD. I spoke about the fact that when I grew up, I watched all the drug dealers congregate in the middle of our apartment complex, and I knew I didn't want to be them. Right. You know, life has its ups and downs, and sometimes, you know, we drift off and we get sidetracked. So we understand that there are certain people that get pulled into certain lifestyles because it almost seems like they have no other choice. And like you just said, if you look at anybody long enough, you'll find something wrong with them. Oh, yeah. That's what happens in the black community. Because we don't have as many options available to us, because 
certain things are reinforced constantly, we'll start to venture off into certain things that seem okay, they seem like our norm, but in a whitewashed world, it's not okay. There's certain things that have been taught in the black household that it's it's our norm. Yeah. Like I laughed the other night because you know some gunshots gunshots rung off and nobody really reacted. <laughs> but you go to a whiter neighborhood and it's all everybody's calling the police. <laughs> it has to be a certain type of gunshot. It has to be repeated. You know, there's a process. Oh, that's you right. know when it's close and you know when it's in the distance. If it's real close, I'm calling. When it's exactly. in the distance, it's different. But see, nowadays, if I hear gunshots, I would rather hear my neighbors shooting than to see police presence outside. Right. I feel safer hearing gunshots from people around me than seeing those flashing lights. I saw those lights and I'm checking my house. Like, is everything in order? Just in case they come up in here, just in case they come over here. I'm I'm so honest right now. I know that I'm not the only black man that still gets nervous when the police pull up behind them. Oh, no. Knowing that you're not doing anything wrong. Yes. You're checking I'm your mirror. Exactly, you're checking, <laughs> checking everything. Checking on your seatbelt. I'm in mm-hmm. politics. I'm out here doing all this stuff to help heal this country and make this country better. But when the police show up, I get nervous. It's all bets off. Yep. And honestly, I don't even want them there. But that's why I look at Minneapolis is dismantling their police department. Certain um, cities have dismantled or they're defunding. I think Keisha Lance Bottoms just released something that she's um, changing the budget as far as the jail system is um, concerned and hopefully police next. But defunding is one way that you start making some changes. By defunding the police and funding other programs that are necessary, like those um, social workers, like those programs that are being cut that actually help the community heal, that's how we're going to get the reform we need. Fund the programs. We have more police officers in schools than we have counselors, career counselors, um, life coaches, stuff like that. Help people to get themselves together instead of just throwing them in jail. But we all know that if we don't have the jail system, we don't have our modern day slavery. So hmm. it's not financially beneficial to do things like that. Right. Because they still need the blacks and browns to do the things that the blacks and browns used to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's a big that's a big part of it. I mean, for me, I always think for us and and I didn't even think about it from the emotional standpoint that we have to heal emotionally before we can even make any strides forward. And that, that makes sense. So now I got to, now thanks Ron, cause I got to redo my list. Cause I got this <laughs> ongoing list on what I think needs to be done. And I always start with economics first. I always go to economics first, but, but you're right. I think that that piece of, um, let me get mentally strong yep. so that I can move forward and, and, and be able to cope with, the economic strains that we that we're facing, you know, the social strains that we're facing, uh, that makes a lot of sense. But I I think that where do you think that economic component? How how impactful is that economic component into us being able to to service ourselves? And and, and I and I don't want to I don't want nobody to li- understand this because we have we have white listeners as well. So I don't want to alienate anybody. But I want to say that. To be able to give us options, like I want to be, able, I don't want to have to just go to Target. I want to go to Black Target. If I want to go to Black Target, I want to go to Black Target, right? If I want to go to White Target, I want to go to White Target. <laughs> but I just want to be able to have options. What do you think is going to get us to the point where we have 
the economic power to be able to 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 give us those options. I've always looked at the teaching of uh, thing was Robert Allen, who said poverty is a state of mind, but wealth is also a state of mind. See, I was taught early on, you can give an impoverished man money and he'll still be broke. Mm -hmm. See, money doesn't make you rich. It's your state of mind. If your mind isn't healed, it's your if your mind isn't focused, you can get all the money in the world. You can get all the economic breaks in the world and you'll still be impoverished because if your spending habits can't be corrected, if your mentality surrounding money can't be corrected, you'll go out and spend everything you earn because it has nothing to do with what you make. It's about what you keep. That's what defines wealth. Um, let's see. I told somebody I didn't work for two years as an entrepreneur. It's hard to get a job. So once I hit some economically hard times, I went out of a job, could not get hired. Nobody wanted to hire me for two years. I didn't work. But for those two years, I didn't really struggle because the year before my business had did so well that I made well into the six figures. I won't go into it because, you know, we all do what we have to do. You know, IRS <laughs> sent me a huge bill like you owe this amount of money. I'm like, really? Wow. Y'all think a lot of me. But, um, goodness, I, I did very well in uh, my business and it allowed me to have that money set aside. And a lot of people were shocked because my state of living never changed. And I told people, you don't know whether I have $500 in the bank or 500000 in the bank right. because I live on the same level. I drive, I get myself a new Camry every few years. That's what I drive. I <laughs> live well, I think. We, you know, I started out in four bedrooms. Now I have a nice home. I like it. It fits our needs. Um, that's all that I'm looking for. I don't need a big mansion. I don't need a Rolls Royce. I used to think I wanted those things. Right. But when I changed my mentality, it changed my outlook and it changed the desires of my heart. So I'm not going to get into, you know, the word you said, I might lose you if I go <laughs> too deep in the Bible. But I'm yeah. literally sitting here, Ryan, tearing my list up like, dang, Ryan <laughs> told me this. Now I got to rewrite this part of my list because that's another good point. So now I got to push economics down a little bit now. So now I got to go repair the mind first. Now I got to educate myself on how, once I get that economic power, on how to be able to, to use it, sustain yeah. it, and do with it. So, damn, economics is falling. I mean, Excuse me again, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going further and further down my list. But, but it, I thank you. This is what we want. That's why I want you to be on here to speak, a, brother. It is. In a capitalist society, we make economics bigger than it really is. Yep. Right. That's and, what it comes down to. And, like, what you, what you are saying right here, I'm about to say preaching, but what you're saying right here, is basically what we see in a lot of athletes as well. Like, they get Absolutely. that money, and then they lose it. And we sitting there like, you know, when you hear the story, you're like, how do you lose all that money? Like, I could have lived off half of that for the rest of my life the rest and of my, my life. life. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and so what you're saying is is true because they go out and buy, buy all that stuff because I try to do that. I try to – we always live within our means. We never go above or whatever. We We happy right here. We could get more stuff, but it's like, why? What are we going to do with it? The more you get, the more you feel like you need. Yep. That's what I've found. And what we've learned over the years is it's not what you have that makes you unhappy. It's what you think you don't have. Right. Mm. And that's why I had to realize that my happiness wasn't dependent on the things I had or didn't have. It was simply dependent on me. Okay. I can wake up tomorrow with nothing and still be happy. And I tell people, there's rich people out here. We can see in, in the news, rich people kill themselves all the time. Oh, yeah. 
So wealth doesn't equate to happiness. But you have some so-called poor people that are happier than you would ever think you could be. When I grew up in the country, I knew people that had been, that barely had anything, but they were happy. They had love. They had a sense of togetherness. And to me, that's what the black community is missing now. Hmm. I told my wife, I'm about to be on some Marcus Garvey. Let's separate. Let's build our own, rebuild Black Wall Street, all this kind of <laughs> stuff. Get our own businesses, Black Target, whatever we need. Get our own Black stuff. Target. <laughs> <laughs> Get our own stuff so that we have options and we can strengthen that Black exactly. dollar. That's exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, I mean... Ryan, you just you you just pushed a bunch of stuff down on my list, man. So I, I'm glad I was able to to have that conversation with you um, because you educated me on some stuff that I you know I didn't even take into account. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we did we did this podcast because we want to keep it positive and we want to keep it to where it's I want to say I'm not the smartest guy in the world, and to and if I'm not the smartest guy in the world, I'm going to go go out and search and find people that are. To make me look smart, you know what I'm so. <laughs> oh, that's true. They told me if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find another room. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I and I think if everybody would to take that step back and and look at oneself and understand, you know, because because my struggles is, is totally different from your struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, my smash struggles is totally different from both of our struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, and what makes me happy may not make you happy. You know, and I was always telling myself that, you know, I want this dream car, I want this dream house, I want all this this grandiose things. But as I got older, I got wiser and realized, you know what, I like to have because I because of a rainy day, right? Not to have because I want to be able to just splurge, mm-hmm. but I want, like you said, I, I did so well that year, I was able to spend um, without even working, and that's that was my that was my mentality. I want to have just in case it rains. You know, so it, so if I go bro, if I lose my job, I want to have. And I think if if we can sit back and stop letting social media, who's a major influence nowadays, of look at me now, right? right. If we can get out of that mentality and really focus on um, what do we need, and, and I, I think Atlanta is is chocolate city up through and through and through. And I think that's one of the places where I hope that that reform, you know, can take hold because there's a lot of us there. You know, places like New Orleans, there's a highly population population of blacks there. You know, so these pockets of where there are, are, are a lot of us, you know, I don't expect that to happen in South Dakota. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I expect that to happen somewhere where we are predominantly and that we have leaders such as yourself, you know? We shall see. Yeah, we, yeah, we will. <laughs> but, it's, but it's getting long this hour, man. Tell so Ryan, where can the people find you? You can find me um Instagram, Twitter, just about every social media platform at author Ron Walker. Um, or find the church at Legacy Church International. I also just started podcasting, so Legacy Podcast is available on Apple and Google Play and all those great platforms as well. Awesome. But definitely go to Amazon, search Ron Walker. The black one, because there's a white one too, <laughs> and he's bald, and and I don't know how we look similar, but we do. But um, really? there's a black Ron Walker. <laughs> find me, or if you just go to Amazon.com/author/RonWalker, that'll bring up all my books, CDs, all kinds of great stuff. But I just push people to go out there and do something different. 
Stop thinking the same way. Stop doing the same thing, especially if it's not working. Change it up. Try something else. Wake up and stay woke this time. One last question. Do you think, just with that statement you just made, should we wait or we should be doing for self? I just put out the most recent, um, it's only the third one. See, I'm not doing like you guys yet. Um, podcast. We only got three episodes right now. <laughs> and the latest one is called Black in America. And uh-huh. I said, the main thing we have to do to repair the black community is get back to our roots. Our roots is community. It's love. It's togetherness. Mm. We can't think individually. This country has taught us to be capitalist and to be all in it for ourselves and do what's best for you. But the black community that started way back in Africa, way back, it was about tribe mentality. It was about togetherness. It was about the strength in numbers, the power of unity. That's what we have to start focusing on. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. We can't just think what's good for me. I'm going to take care of mine. No, we have to look out for one another. I used to be able to go next door and get a cup of sugar, get some ketchup. I used to go to my neighbor and they were there for me. And the Bible says, who is my neighbor? It's the one that looks out for you. So we have to start becoming neighbors again and build up our neighborhoods and communities so that we can build up our businesses, strengthen our black dollar, and rebuild this country, even if we have to rebuild or build a nation within a nation. I don't want to get... I don't want to become a garbage guy, but um, <laughs> we have to focus on healing the community and not only ourselves. Because right. I believe there's a healing that comes from helping others. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a good feeling when, even when, even when the bum sitting outside the the grocery store and you give him a dollar, that feels good to to be able to do that, you know. And and so that definitely makes community does make sense. And we can't we can't forget Ryan that you got also throwing. When you got in trouble, that neighbor would be the same one to turn you into. So it was definitely a good. It definitely was. <laughs> hey, police that said not, that was my neighborhood. Shoot, <laughs> my neighborhood. Yeah, nobody said anything. Clayco, you better not talk. But um, depends <laughs> on where you come from. Because yeah, but I, I mean, from the adults, the adults when you were a kid, and you, you definitely, if you got in trouble, then those adults would be there. You would get a scolding from the adults, so that so that when by the time you got home, you you knew you knew you got in trouble, but yeah. It kept you from actually wanting to, to go out and do those dashly deeds that you know were wrong. You, you, okay, were, you mean in that the community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The community was teaching you right from wrong. That's what I meant. Okay, I don't I mean snitches. I don't mean snitches get snitches. <laughs> I mean now. Yes, we we policed our own. If right. you yes. allow, we policed our own. So I could get a, a whooping from my neighbor and then get home get another whooping. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. That's what I was talking on. Yes, yes sir. But that was also because. My parents knew my neighbor was gonna treat me like they kids. Right, exactly. That's then, togetherness. That's a that's a good point. So yeah. now something else gets pushed over economics. See that smash? <laughs> we learning today, smash. That's what it's about. We, that's what it's about. We learning, smash, sir. And give me your closing words, my brother. As always, thank you for coming on. Um, and I always say this because I really do mean it's genuine. But I like when us brothers and sisters, uh, you know brown skin dark skin when we get together like this because these podcasts has been bringing all the brothers and sisters together and we just been helping one another after another and it's it's just it's been great and being over here like me and uh Godie, we always say this is like our therapy so this is kind of where we do our healing on our show we you know we let out stuff and talk about our feelings so i appreciate you for coming on sharing i'll be looking out um looking out for you probably 
catch a book or two. I ain't gonna say I'm gonna catch all of them because it's a lot, but I'll catch. I might catch a book or two. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. You gotta do audio. You gotta give me some audio books. I'm not a big reader at all. Let's be honest. He with working you. on it. I'm on Audible. See? Yep. I'm on Audible. I'm on there. I'm I'm everywhere. She said I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. And if I'm not Ryan. somewhere, tell me, and I will. That's right. well, so, I, so if you on Audible, then you know. I, I got your books. You you definitely gonna get you definitely gonna get the black dot out of me if it's on Audible. <laughs> Bless you, brothers both. I appreciate the opportunity. Anytime I can be of assistance, just let me know. I'm here. Oh, definitely, do, definitely, yeah. I, I, definitely inspiring, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and we definitely, I definitely want to reserve the right to bring you back, bro, because I know it's gonna be some other enlightening things that's gonna happen. And our our platforms, we we try to. Through all the darkness, we always want to try to bring bring some light to, to order, right? Mm-hmm. We always want to try to spin things to a positive because we can, like you said, we can talk about the negative all day. We can talk about what's going on, what's going wrong, but we can we try to give be positive and, and put some solutions on the table for us to think about. And we've definitely did that today with this episode, giving giving our listeners black and white and every other color food for thought. So I definitely appreciate that, Ron, and and um, I look forward to the next time. God bless. You. So with that being said, much love and we out. Peace.